We've been uh, in and out of John 15, 7 in recent weeks. We'll be starting off there this evening. Austin left off last Wednesday evening talking about some enemies of prayer. Uh, I never carry a phone with me when I pray. Now, I know guys here have their confessions on their phone, and I understand that. But, you know, I just, I, it's a distraction for me. I, I don't sleep with a phone. And, uh, yeah, but pastor, somebody might call. Yeah, well, you know, the devil might call. Uh, so, you know what I'm saying? Leave a message. Amen. But uh, there are all kinds of enemies to prayer. Some of these enemies are very dear friends, and we have associated with them for many years, and it might be hard to give them up. One enemy of prayer is a desire to read about the Bible and a desire to read about prayer, but never actually spend time in prayer and never actually spend time in the Bible. You know, I can listen to Kenneth Hagin messages and hear him talk about George Mueller, and that's great. Somebody here at church was telling me about George Mueller just a couple of weeks ago. That's great. And I'm, I'm glad he prayed. But I have to learn how to pray. Can you see that? So I'm not saying we shouldn't read books about prayer or books about the Bible, but what I'm saying is we cannot substitute that for prayer and our own study of the Bible. A huge enemy of prayer is a lack of knowledge of what we are in Christ and what he did for us and what he is in us and our standing before God in Christ and our legal rights in Christ. Unless those basic concepts are mastered, I was... Uh, I was, I was uh, searching for certain books the other day on Amazon, and I saw a book by Andrew Womack, and it was titled something like, What They Never Told You in Church. I thought that was an interesting title. But it was about the authority of the believer. And it's sad to me that people can attend church and not know basic concepts from the writings of the Apostle Paul. Who are we in Christ? That's why we begin our services on Sunday with these four basic confessions. I am who the Word says I am. I am where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. That's Galatians 3. I can do what the Word says I can do. That's Philippians 4, 13. But see, it's really sad to me that a lot of the body of Christ simply has not been taught basic concepts so when, when I spend time with Father God, I'm not a beggar. I'm not a victim. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't go with my hand out. Brother, can you spare a dime? I go as a son. If only I could open my heart to you and explain to you the power that the body of Christ misses on sonship. My goodness. 
you know, something came up while we were in Missouri and it regarded Austin. I told Sue, I said, I said, he's helping me. I can't do enough for him. And the Spirit of God whispered to the candle of the Lord inside of me, that is my heart toward you. He's helping me. I can't do enough for him. See, that's, that's the way God looks at us. Because who's helping him? It looks to me like about 97% is working against him. But see, that's not the attitude a lot of people have in prayer. That God is dangling, healing out there. And maybe if you're a good boy and you behave for enough days, maybe, maybe, maybe he might bestow some blessing on you. Attitude. I call it spiritual posture. But if I go before him that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, nobody belongs in the throne room more than me. Nobody has a more right to be in the throne room than me. He is my father. When I was a young man and I would read where the apostle Paul said, we call him Abba, Father. In the Greek, that's literally daddy. And I had trouble with that. You know, I mean, to me, he's father, he's on the throne. But when you spend enough time with him and you walk with him long enough, he's daddy. Hallelujah. And we go to him on that basis. Amen. Now that doesn't mean we don't fear him. I tell you what, he scares the living daylights out of me. Hallelujah. But uh, he's my father. Hallelujah. We have not understood his heart toward his sons and daughters. And it's hindered us. It's an enemy in prayer. And I think that Pentecostalism, the showmanship that's going on out here, Praise on the weak and it preys on the victim-minded. That if, if, I, if I just want run one more lap, I just eat one more nasty pizza with no meat in a Daniel fast. <laughs> if I just drink one more bottle of anointing oil, they pray on the weak. They prey on the vulnerable. When I, I'm using the word pray, P-R-E-Y. Because somebody who knows who they are in Christ, my standing is not dependent on a grain fast. My standing is not dependent on drinking a bottle of olive oil. You know, a man that I loved, I did love him, but uh, he, he spoke for us up at I-30. He was a great man. I loved him. But he was talking about, you know, come back tonight and I'm going to anoint you with olive oil from the Holy Land. And he looked over at me and he winked. I loved him. He was a good guy. But see, these are, these are roads Pastor Gene's not going down. 
Amen. Now we could have some olive oil shipped in from Israel, but you know, it, if it was shipped in from Israel, it was probably made in China. So, <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter. It's not about where it's from. It's a matter of when you take action on the word of God, because that's what James 5 says to do. Do you understand? So the language to many is strange, but I want you to come to know what actually belongs to you in Christ. It belongs to you. We, there are things that belong to us. And until we find out they belong to us, we can't believe God for them. Until you know what belongs to you, until you know who you are in Christ, until you know the authority that you have as a believer, your prayer life will be at the baby Christian level indefinitely and you'll get baby level results. Every believer in Christ needs to know who we are in Christ, what we possess in Christ, what we can do in Christ, who we are in Christ. Another enemy of prayer is ignorance of what believing is. The answer to everything is right here. Holy Spirit of God, give them eyes to see. Give them ears to hear. This is the answer to everything. How did we turn out the children we turned out? How can everything here be done in such excellence? And we don't have any needs. We have no debt. How can God... How could God have blessed us the way he has blessed us all these years? How could we have so much after giving so much away? The answer to all those questions is right here. We have people in this church that came to us from other so-called faith ministries. And when they came to us, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. But now they have something. What's the difference? I'm thinking of a couple came to us years ago from a, another faith ministry and they didn't, they didn't have anything. And now they're some big givers here at Faith Christian Center, which is, that's a big hill to climb. What's the difference? It's the next few minutes. Father, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Another enemy of prayer is ignorance of what believing is. The word believe is a verb. You don't believe me? Google it. The word believe is not a noun. The word believe is a verb. It is an action word, and it means to act upon the word of God. The, the word believe is a verb, and it is an action word, and it means to take action on the word of God. Understanding this simple fact then, we come to understanding that believing the word is simply acting on it. Say it out loud. Believing the word, believing the word is simply acting on it. Acting on Say it again. Believing the word, believing the word is simply acting on it. Say it again. See, because we, we get into this mentality, and I was there. I remember being there back in Bible school, you know, trying to work myself up into a frenzy of faith. Anything anybody's ever thought of. See, I've already been down these roads. I remember standing it. 
in my, in my dorm room, believing God for something. I don't know what I was believing God for at Central Bible College. And, you know, I put the Bible on the floor, and I stood on it, and I said, Father, I'm standing on the Word. I've been, I've been down all these roads. I've been down all these roads. Trying to, you know, work my way up to it. Say it again. Faith, Faith. is acting on the word, of God. the word of God. It's a simple concept. Believing the word is simply acting on it as we act upon the word of our government when it comes to our taxes. If you, if you opened up your mail tomorrow and there was a notification from the government that you owed them $1,000, would you wait a year before you took action? Would you wait a year before you took action? I mean, even if you go to your attorney or your accountant, how quick would you take action? Quickly. All right. What if tomorrow your banker called and said your checking account was overdrawn? Would you take action in 2024? No. Would you mull it over for a week or two or three? No. What would you do? You take action. How quickly would you take action? When? Immediately. Well, don't you think it's kind of insulting to God that we would take action on a letter from the government or we would take action on the phone call from a banker immediately? But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the king of the universe, when it comes to the master of the universe, we got to have a sign. In the girl talk, they used, I think it was John 6, 36. You see, but you don't believe. You see, but you don't believe. And that's why he got so fed up with them. He told them, no more signs. The only sign left that I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. No more signs for you. And that's why, because we're in this series on these miracles, that's why a lot of times, there, as his three and a half years moved on, he did more miracles in private. Because he didn't want to give them any more signs because of John 6, 36. You see, but you don't believe. But we get a letter from the IRS, we take action. We get a phone call from the banker, we take action. And what people don't understand is, actually, these writings of the, the Apostle Paul, we call them epistles. What does the word epistle mean etymologically? It's a letter. They were letters. But the whole Bible is a letter. It's a letter to me. And it's a letter to you from God. Now, there's different time periods in there. There's different covenants in there. You know, we... We, and we, we understand the word by comparing the word not to the New York Times. We understand the word not by comparing it to uh, some book somebody wrote. We, we understand the word by comparing the word to the word. You know, I just wrapped up the book of Daniel. And, you know, just every year just blows my mind. But to understand Daniel, you almost need to go back and read Ezekiel again. Then you got to go forward and cheat and go ahead and read, it, read Revelation. It all ties together. But my point is, 
you understand the word by comparing the word to the word. Not comparing it to somebody, so, some, something somebody wrote somewhere. John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you live in me, if you take up residence in me, and my words abide in you, if my words live in you, if my words take up residence in you, you'll ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. You'll ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. And I realize people could misunderstand me. And we didn't start where we are. That's why in the Holy Week Revival 2024, we're going we're gonna to go back and talk about the ABCs of faith. Just, just start with a clean slate as though nobody knows anything about faith. The ABCs of faith. Because I, I know that faith as I understand it now is not where I started. I have come to this place. Can you see that? But people walk in the door and how does faith work? Well, we have to go back then and start all over. And the beautiful thing now with the technology is then we'll have it on the app from, from now on. Anybody can go back and go through the ABCs of faith. How does it work? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. First sermon I ever preached was out of John 15. God help me. I was, I was as ignorant as a calf in the pasture. But that's where I started. But I've come to see it. Nothing is impossible. Jesus said, if thou canst but believe, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for him that believes. Over and over and over, we have these I call them faith sayings of Jesus. If thou canst but believe. Hallelujah. Well, how are we going to get there? Oh, I know. Uh, phase two. They have printed so much money. I asked Sue today, when, when, we, when we lived in our first house, could you have ever imagined that there would come a time that it would cost five times what that payment was to pay the yard guys? Five times what our first house payment was to pay the yard guys. That's what they've done to our money. Bother me. I don't care what it costs. See, I have... I have hidden knowledge. I have secret knowledge. God can't build it. He don't need it. But God can build it. Amen. Yeah, but those are big numbers. Doesn't matter to God. The king of the universe, the master of the universe, these are just zeros. See, we limit God. God doesn't limit us. We, we, we have this, uh, this attitude in prayer that, that God's limiting us. You know, I, I could do all this stuff for God. You know, if God would just, you know, answer me. And, and, and you know, I could, I could be a big help if God would just, you know, bless me. We have it all backwards. God's not limiting us. We limit us. Actually, it's worse than that. 
Is it Psalm 78? We limit God. We limit the Holy One of Israel. Don't be telling God what God cannot do. And don't be telling God what you cannot do. Say it out loud, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. (laughs) How about meditating on that for uh, about six months? Say it again, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. No phase two? Yeah, I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. Pastor, that's out there. No, it's not. No, it's not. We limit him. He doesn't limit us. When Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. You simply take action on the word of God. That's it. Your part is to take action on the word of God. There's no believing without acting. And believing means having possession. There's no believing without acting. And believing means having possession. I possess what the word has promised me. I thought I knew some things about faith. And probably I learned more from Kenneth Hagin than anybody else, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. But some way, somehow, it was Fred Price that got through to me. I used to go skiing sometimes with guys in the church and in Jackson Hole, halfway up the mountain, there's a restaurant and we, we had met there at the restaurant. I come out of that restaurant, you got all that paraphernalia. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, I get all bundled up, gloves on, hat, goggles, all of this, my cell phone rings. And in those days, hardly anybody, it's not like now, you know, if, if Donald Trump knows your phone number, you're getting 50 calls a day. But... Uh, or texts. But back in those days, I mean, only about three people knew my cell number, and I thought it was Sue. So, you know, I, I go through this whole thing take the gloves off, take the goggles off, because you got to hear, take the hat off, unzip the jacket, reach down in there, unzip that pocket, get the cell phone. Hello? Dr. Gene? Yes? Fred Price here. He said, I have one question for you. I said, What's that? He said, What series did it for you? Because anybody that has learned how to swing for the fences can tell you what did it. And he wanted to know. It was that series on confession. Because in 1989, we, we were suffering under the recession that followed the stock market crash in October of 87. And I just, I just had to get it, I had to get it cemented into my heart that he's meeting, all, he's meeting all of my needs. Doesn't matter what it looks like. He's meeting all of my needs. Doesn't matter how, does, we had three pages single space of accounts payable. Didn't matter. He's meeting all of my needs. Doesn't look like it. He's meeting all of my needs. I mean, you just have to steal yourself with the word of God. If you're here tonight, you're going through a faith, cha- I mean, a, a health challenge. You have got to steal, S-T-E-E-L. You have got to steal yourself with the word of God. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter how I feel. 
The Lord my God is meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches. And then we were at a winter Bible seminar and I heard Kenneth, the man of God say, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, he said, you got to be careful with Philippians 4.19. Man, he had my attention. He said, you can get stuck there. Well, then I had homework to do. And all these verses, I'm always, well, I rehearse every morning. He's making me rich in every way so that I can be generous on every occasion. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. He who gives to the poor shall lack nothing. Here's one. I mean, this is going to go over like a lead balloon. I've never rehearsed it to you, but I'm prompted to here, but it, you won't like it. Because I've honored my father and my mother, I live long on the earth and it goes well with me all the days of my life. That's a prosperity. It's actually the first commandment in the Bible with a promise. And then I, now he's got me saying, Jesus said to me, I'll come back to that. So we rehearse these verses. We steal, S-T-E-E-L, ourselves with the word of God. If I have faith as a seed, John 17, 20, I say it this way. He's got me saying it this way. Jesus said to me, if I have faith as a seed, I can say this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing is impossible for me. Present tense, nothing is impossible for me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. It all ties together because I have faith as a seed. I don't have faith as a hope, so I have faith as a seed. But what does this mean? It means I must take possession of what the word has promised me just like the children of Israel had to take possession of their promised land. They had to take possession. People think that the promised land is a type of heaven. It's not a type of heaven. There's not going to be any giants to overcome in heaven. And this God that we serve, you have to understand who he is. He has a strange language about him. And once you understand this, well, then everything makes sense. He, he says to them, see, they're coming over. We could, we could spend a year talking about their exodus. Two million people. And only two adult males out of Egypt made it. Not even Moses made it. Not even Moses made it. And he says to him, Behold, I have given you the land. Then what did the wimps and sissies say? Well, there's giants over there. God didn't care about the giants. That's the way God talks. While I'm talking to you, he's talking to me. He's saying, behold, I have given you phase two. But, but that doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the city. That doesn't mean we don't have to meet with architects three million times. That doesn't mean we don't have to, you know, give money. But in other words, whatever we set our heart to that's a righteous thing, if we live in John 15, 7, it's ours. And he doesn't care what it costs. I don't know if you... <laughs> that's not an ABC of faith. But he doesn't care what stuff costs. Not my father. Now, maybe your father. 
But my father doesn't care what stuff costs. It costs what it costs. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to me, say it out loud. Jesus said to me, if I have faith as a seed, I can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. Because the word was, was for you. It's your, anybody here, his son, his daughter, his child? Well, then it's yours. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So his word is out there. His word is true. His word is forever. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? He who is the glory of Israel, does he lie or change his mind? For he is not a man that he should change his mind. Psalm 89, 34, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Jesus prayed, John 17, 17, Father, thy word is truth. Listen, this world we're living in right now is chock full of lies. It's all lies, 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 everyday lies, lies, lies. We're so used to it, we don't even pay attention to it anymore. One of the most astounding things to me was when, when he was still with Fox News, Tucker Carlson did the segment on uh, all the evidence that the CIA had John F. Kennedy killed, and you'd think there'd be a big protest. You know, nobody says nothing. Nobody says boo. Nobody cares. You know, whatever. Yeah, 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 whatever. You know, because it's all lies. Everybody knows it's all lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. The greatest superpower on the planet is governed by somebody that doesn't even know where he is. <laughs> Couldn't tell you what time it is. And they, to get him to go from point A to point B, all they do is hold up an ice cream cone. <laughs> and people believe, you know. 81 million of them. But they have problems believing in the master of the universe, the king of the universe. And he knows where he is. And he knows what time it is. <laughs> and he's coherent. Amen. I'm saying in my roundabout, humorous way, it's time to stop playing with the Word of God. It's time to stop playing with the things of God. It's time to focus in like a laser on what God has said and steal yourself with the Word of God. You're believing for money. You, you got to steal yourself with the Word of God. Anybody recently bought a tool set? Let me see your hand. If you have in recent, uh, let's say the last few years, you bought a, a set of screwdrivers. Anybody? Okay, what happens when you use them? The ends twist and turn. Everything, everything comes out of, I don't know where it's coming from. When I was a little boy walking to school, I don't know, first grade, second grade, third grade, on the way to school, somebody had left a wrench in the street. And nobody was around. There's this wrench. I put it in my pocket. It's in the laundry room 
at home today. And the wire cutter part of it works exactly like it did 50 years ago. Actually, 60 years ago now. 60? Well, at least 55 years ago. The hinge on it is just as tight as it was 55 years ago. And you know what it has? It has two magic things stamped on it. One is made in the USA. And the other is, you know what the other thing, magic thing stamped on it is? Blue forged steel. And that's what believers need to be going in. See, we're not in the tribulation, but we are right now in the foothills leading up to the tribulation. And when it comes to the things of God and the word of God, we need to be blue forged steel. And nothing move us. This is the word of God and this is where I stand. Can you see that? Now that doesn't mean we don't have to buy and sell and go to work and do what we're going to do. We got to keep living. But I'm saying that we can't be moved with all these lies. I read an article just today about this kid. I forgot what the age was, you know, was transitioning. And all they did was get that kid away from its mother for three weeks and it was normal. Yeah. So who you marry is more important than ever. Because, you know, hot crazy is still crazy. So I've got to take possession of what God says is mine. We have a promise land and it has to be possessed. Last Wednesday, Austin gave you Hebrews 4, 1 to 13. So as we said, the word believe is a verb. It is an action word, and it means to act upon the word of God, to take action upon the word of God. Here's, here's an example. I'm just going to throw this out. Look at Proverbs 17, 13. Proverbs 17, 13. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Now that's what God says. Tell your neighbor, that's what God says. What God says. Tell the neighbor on the other side, that's what God says. what God says. And yet we have so-called believers doing this to us right now, doing this to us right now. They aren't believers. For if they believed the word, they would take action on the word. Instead, they're hitting the death button. Let him who has eyes to see, see. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. This is the key to it all. Pastor, you chose a funny example. This is where the rubber meets the road, right here. This type stuff. Because you want to go by your bright ideas, your opinions. How about on child rearing? Well, I think. Just go to the mall and look at the results of what I think did to America. Sue and I were at least smart enough to realize. What, I mean, we, let me back up. I was at least smart enough to realize I, I didn't know anything about being a husband. I, I had no role model. I, I didn't have the first clue about being a husband. So I went to the Word of God. When Austin came along, at least Sue and I were smart enough to realize we didn't know how to be parents. We, we did, we, we'd never been through this. We'd never done this. So what did we do? We went to the Word of God. We just did it God's way. Everything turned out. 
on money. Yeah, but pastor, you know, you're so blessed. Well, that's a culmination. You know, we've been married 47 years. It's a culmination of doing things like the word says, imperfectly as we did, but doing things according to the word of God over a protracted period of time. See, people come and they covet this. They covet this. They covet this. But this is the result of, you don't think I did this. It's the word, brother. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. Tell your neighbor, it's the word. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it's the word. And, and the beautiful thing is if it's the word, anybody can do it. But they don't, they don't want to do, they don't want to do it God's way. They want a shortcut. But even John Osteen, you know, would tell us in Houston, he would say, I don't have any shortcuts to tell you about because there are no shortcuts. And I don't know about you, but whenever I've tried to take a shortcut, it turned into a long cut. The, 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 the quickest point from point A to point B is do things God's way. And that's true of child rearing. That's true of money. That's true of marriage. Yeah, God says, if a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. How many of you would aspire to evil never leaving your house? Anybody? No takers? Pastor, I want evil to never leave my house. Nobody in their right mind would want that. But that's what the word says will happen if a man pays back evil for good. So how can believers do this? Because they don't believe. Because believe is a verb. Believe is a verb. And that faith hall of fame, Hebrews 11, talks about Abraham, talks about Noah, talks about Moses. And what does it say about them? It says what they did. How did God know they had faith? By what they did. Because believe is a verb. So my point is, I'm just using this as an illustration. I'm going to give you another one and uh, uplifting one, and then we'll quit. But listen. I'm from Detroit. And I grew up fighting. I got thrown out of school for fighting. I, I grew up fighting. I got thrown out of school for three days in junior high school. My mother... Just wait till your father gets home. Just wait till your father gets home. Just wait till your father gets home. My father gets home. He's reading the newspaper. Tell him what you did. Tell him what happened. Tell him what you did. I said, Dad, I got thrown out of school for three days. What for? Fighting. Who threw the first punch? He did. Who finished it? I did. He just turns the page in the paper. <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of where I grew up. But I can't live like that now. Because Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
and all this other stuff we hate. Bless those who persecute you and despitefully use you. And so I just do what he says. I just bless them. Amen. God bless them. Call them by name. God bless them. Amen. Send them gifts. <laughs> Heap coals of fire on their heads. Amen. Why? Why? Because I feel like it? Not the way I was raised. Not where I grew up. I don't feel like it. But I'm a doer of the word of God. Why? Because I'm a believer. And the word believe is a verb. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But this one has a curse to it. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. They don't believe that. They don't believe it. 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 Give. How about this? Give. And it shall be given unto you. You know, that, was, that wasn't some hobo down at uh, Whole Foods parking lot that said that. That was the son of God said that. Do we believe it? We were getting, this is the world I live in. And I'm not going to give you the amounts because, you know, you'd be horrified. But I'm getting ready to go to Missouri and, you know, there's cash at the house. And so the Lord said, Take that with you and give it away. Okay. So I take it with me and give it away. Well, before I got home, there was uh, more than 80% came back to me. I mean, by the time I got back to the house. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. So what would happen if, what would happen if the whole body of Christ acted like that? Well, you know what? It'd be like the book of Acts where no, there were no needy among them. Amen. See, now they want to orchestrate that through government and call it welfare and tax the snot out of everybody. But see, the problem is something like 83% of all the money that's supposed to go to the poor, never somehow it never finds its way to the poor. It, it goes into the payroll checks and depo direct deposits of bureaucrats. But do you see the beauty of God's system? I mean, if I'm led by the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, we're all led by the Spirit, and Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you, and I'm following the Spirit, you're following the Spirit, it'd be like the book of Acts. There'd be no needy among us. But it wouldn't be somebody orchestrating it. It just happened. And nobody goes backwards. Man, what a revelation. Say it out loud, I cannot. I simply cannot go backwards doing what God says do. It's impossible. Now that doesn't mean I'll have it by Tuesday, but it's coming. Amen. And let me give you one more and we'll quit. Here's a happy one. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. This is a literal translation. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my pains and I have come to esteem him as the one stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. So I don't have to try and believe this. And that's where I spent a lot of my youth. Wasted effort trying to believe it. Then 
<laughs> then, I, then I went on a fasting spree. I've done it all. You know, while I'm talking to you, he's talking to me. And you know what he's saying right now? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. You, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't, uh, well, if I just fast, if I just fast 49 days, or if I just fast one day less than it, when I would die, if I just, if I just drank another body, that, that, these are all snipe hunts. Now, if the Lord says fast, fast. But if he doesn't say fast, eat in moderation. I don't try and believe this. I don't need to believe it. I mean, try and believe it. I just need to act upon it. I don't need to try and believe this. You, you don't try and believe in gravity, do you? When was the last time you tried to believe in gravity? When was the last time you tried to believe the sun would come up in the east? When you come in here and see you sit down on one of these brand new chairs, do you try and believe it'll hold you? Talk to me. God is more certain than gravity. The word of our God is more certain than the sun coming up in the east. The word of our God is the most certain thing there is in the entirety of the universe. Not one word will ever fail. So we don't have to try and believe it. We just need to act like it's so. We just need to act like it is utterly so. We just say, did God say that he laid my diseases on Jesus and that God afflicted him with them? Well then, if he did, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. Now that doesn't mean there's not a battle. Middle of the night, oh man, I just... Yeah. The least Satan could do is attack you when you're awake. But you know, I mean, I had to get up in the middle of the night, go in the bathroom, and take four or five minutes and run him off. And somebody might say, well, how do you know that's a spiritual battle? Well, if it's not a spiritual battle, why did the pain leave? You know, and I, I, just, I just expressed my irritation with him. All right, all right. You need to hear it again. Here we go. Jesus made an open show and spectacle of you on Calvary's cross. Jesus put to naught every work of yours on Calvary's cross. And Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse your every work in my body. And I command you to take your hands off. It was my right foot. I command you to take your hands off my right foot gone see in other words it's mine just like the promised land was theirs when God said it was theirs somebody might say yeah but there's giants in the land I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength see my God is with me hallelujah my God is with me my God is in me. My God goes before me. My God is my rear guard. My God is on my left and on my right. My God undergirds me. He's beneath me. 
My God is above me. His light shines upon me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am his and he is mine. So we have to know who we are. Then we have to act like it. If you, if you went to a doctor and, and he said, what, they always say, what pharmacy do you use? You know, and they call it in. You go over there, you get the medicine. You would not take it, would you? Having, having the bottle on the shelf has how much power? Talk to me. Having the bottle on the shelf has how much power? None. None. What do you have to do? Now just substitute the word of God for that procedure and you got it. Got a pain in my foot. I'm not going to go to a doctor about pain in my foot. They're going to cut it off. They're going to, they're going to, you know, I tell them it's my right foot. They'll cut off the left foot. Or, uh, you know, they're going to want to, they're going to want to operate or they're going to want to, I'm not interested in any of it. I'm not interested in any. Yeah, but, but you, you had to spend four minutes last night rebuking the devil. Well, multiply that trouble times a thousand just for one visit. And I don't have to put a mask on to talk, to talk to the devil. At least even he's smart enough to know I don't need a mask to talk to him. I am a victor. Shout it out loud at the top of your lungs. I'm a victor. I'm a child of God. I'm a winner. My father is the king of the universe. He has given me by the blood of Jesus the holy name of his child to use. I am a victor in Christ Jesus and by his holy name. His holy name.